Robert Attrell, Nick Maddox, discussing contemporary Canadiana, Ottawa, Calgary, this is East Meets West. You should do uh, movie trailers. I'm sure you've heard that at least once before, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, no, we should, we should make the, uh, the David Nona story trailer. We should. Yeah, if only... If only the creative lead would get off his ass and actually do something about it. <laughs> yeah, you really seem to hate the term creative lead. Ugh. I don't know why. Responsibility for creative tasks. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, if I could just be louder directly into the mic, I'm sure that would really help you. It does, actually, yeah. It helps uh, It helps my process to, to have a really loud marker to put everything else against. Oh, good. Well, yeah. I'm glad I could be there to help you, Rob. <laughs> It's very helpful. We're uh, we're doing this episode with they're doing this show again only a week later after the last one, um, mostly because our future chat co-host is indisposed this week. Yeah, something about family. Yeah, responsibility. To quote Monty Burns, "Friends, family, religion. These are the demons you must slay to be successful in life." (laughs) I I think we've heard that on this show before. I can't imagine that we have not. Yeah, yeah. But so so here we are. We're doing we're doing your show again. And uh given the fact that it's only been a week and we've I don't think we've ever done it with this little lead time except maybe the election one. Yeah, the election one we just pounded it right out. Yeah. Um this one is is very short, so I'm surprised that we have as much to talk about, but I guess there's there's stuff left over. We we could always just turn on mics and talk. Clearly next week would you would you believe that there are always happenings in a nation like canada always yeah next week or whenever in two weeks i guess when we get back and do future chat we should turn on mike and do something evil do you know he might listen to this podcast in the interim period it wouldn't be a surprise i guess i don't need it to be a surprise i just think it's a fun play on words wait i missed the play on words what's happening well, I said we could, even if there's only a week in between shows, we could turn on mics and talk. And then I said we could turn on Mike and do oh, something evil. Yes. Right. Okay. So this is my first <laughs> coffee of the day that I'm looking at right now. And it's only halfway down. Yeah. And so that's, that's the situation there. That's where we are. Um, yeah. I started drinking it like half an hour ago too. So it's just, it's not even nothing's happening yet of course all the effects are purely psychosomatic because i just i'm so happy that i'm drinking coffee that that's fine with me i uh, i choose not to indulge in that beverage but i don't i don't uh, hold it against the people who do that um brief note this episode brought to you by second cup mm-hmm. because i'm on the second cup rewards program which i think they actually scooped starbucks on they came out with an huh. app and a rewards program like a week or two before Starbucks did. So I'm wow. not sure whether they got wind of Starbucks doing something and then did it themselves or what happened. But this uh, for 500 points, you can get a cup of coffee or for a thousand points, you can get a bag of beans. Hmm. And so, I mean, that seemed obvious to me now. Nick, does this rewards program also entitle you to shares in Second Cup? No, I bought those independently. <laughs> just, just disclosing that our sponsors there, are. <laughs> there are there are very few uh, 
There are very few opportunities for stock options with reward programs. <laughs> that would be good, though. I'd have to think if you're trying to get people to buy shares. Although, on the note of owning those shares, this is probably the best time to buy because they are so they are so low right now. <laughs> but you're holding out hope. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I've got you know what do we think? Fifty years of life left, so. I'm just going to let inflation take care of that one. Makes sense. Do you think yeah. you'll ever get to the third cup or they will ever get to the third cup? Uh, well, I mean, it's always there's always time for a second cup if you're if you're counting the one you're having as your first cup. Yeah. <sighs> Nick, I think we should leave that strain of train of thought behind. Can I tell you the story of this particular coffee, though? This one that you have right now? Yeah, because the the second cup that I frequent in core, which I'm actually a little upset about as a shareholder because I'm looking at okay. that store and going, huh, that's that's interesting. That's uh, some interesting ideas you got for running a business here. Like their selection is not very good. And okay. for the longest time, the staff was they, they kind of just I found them a little bit irksome because they'd constantly be asking me like, oh, do you want room for cream? No, I never want room for cream, especially in a dark roast. <laughs> And then they proceed to give me the thing like with a good a good centimeter or two of room at the top of the cup. And I'm like, huh, uh, how how low are you filling these cups? What incentive do people have to come here? (laughs) So, yeah, they also have hot chocolate cookies now, which are quite nice. That's that what's different about it than just a regular chocolate cookie? I, I guess they take like their hot chocolate mix and they get that in the cookie somehow. Some sort of baking process. All right. It's tasty, but I found mine was a little overdone. It depends on what consistency you want in a cookie, I suppose. I guess, yeah. I prefer a chewier cookie. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I I can't think of anyone who wants a drier cookie. Everyone wants it to be soft and chewy. I I don't know. No, I do know some people who prefer, like, they prefer it actually to crunch. They want a Hmm. crunchy cookie. Maybe on the very outside. Maybe. No, the, it's it's crunchy all the way through. And they like throw in extra bits to get it a little crunchier. Okay. They that's, exist. That's what I'm that's saying. strange, but... I've also had their homemade cookies and they're very good. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to step on any toes here. Please don't <laughs> because they might give me more cookies. I would hope so, especially after hearing this endorsement. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nick, let's do some follow-up from last week. Oh, wait, no. I Sorry, you, you have more I forgot the talk. point of that story. Um, (laughs) I'm glad this is my show. Um, yeah. So they didn't actually have any of the dark roast beans that I like at this location of second cup. Like they have them where you can get them for an exorbitant price because they pack them right there in front of you. But you can only with the rewards program, you only get the prepackaged beans and they never had them. But I managed to find the prepackaged ones when we were in Banff because, because of course the one in Banff would have it. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would you have, you know, a really solid selection in Calgary downtown when, you know, Mega City Banff could stock up and, you know, who needs to stock up in Calgary when you have the stock in Banff? Well, Nick, the thing is, Banff is a tourist town. Everyone that comes there is going to want to buy something that's prepackaged that they can just take with them as they continue either through the mountains, through to Vancouver 
or make their return to Calgary, they're going to want some cookies to go. And in Calgary downtown, you're just not going to get that. People are, they want kale. They want yogurt. (laughs) They want yoga. You just, you're not going to get people wanting to take prepackaged cookies. There are actually a lot of, uh, a lot of yoga studios around the apartment here. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, sorry. Prepackaged beans, rather. It's prepackaged beans. Because I mean, yeah, that I can't explain. Well, I mean, in Banff, you know, everyone brings their own coffee maker, and yes, <laughs> in in Calgary, they just you know, you're you're downtown Calgary. You don't you need you need to grab the coffee and go the, right. the brewed coffee or something. I guess, yeah. God, but that, that's the only thing I can think of is that it's in Banff. It's it's touristy. People want to buy something, whereas in Calgary, there's not enough storage space to to store all these prepackaged bags of beans yeah so they just not like on the little rack where they display the coffee beans it's not like there's a couple empty racks on the one in calgary downtown i don't think there are no having not been there just crazy crazy (laughs) talk yeah all right now i think we can we can move on i think you have some uh job follow-up I do have job follow up and it's it's actually happy follow up. I I could have jinxed myself if I believed in that being possible by pre-discussing job possibilities on the show last week. Mm-hmm. Uh and and getting your your brainstorming help, but I did not. Uh, I turns out I'm going to be able to work full time. I got the job at Encirc that I've been talking about. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, so I'm going to be starting on the 17th of February. Ooh. And uh, and that means that I get to continue for the next week writing for Mobile Syrup and, and onwards, as we had talked about, part-time, including some, act- some actual weekend reporting coming up. We, we had talked about on Future Chat a couple weeks ago about Mobile World Congress. Uh, and turns out Mobile Syrup is going to be sending a delegation to Barcelona. And so nobody's going to be there to write about it. And so I'm going to I'm going to help them out and write some on uh that Solid. weekend. We're going to Barcelona. Can you stay home? Yeah. <laughs> I I mean I'd love to go to Barcelona, but I don't if I was going to go I'd want to go to see the sights first and then if I was spending if I was going to Barcelona to, to see phones, I wouldn't that wouldn't be as fun as going having already seen the sights and all that. I feel like Mike would make a better employee for them than you would. <laughs> no. Well, okay. In that particular instance, I I would love to go to an Apple event. I just don't want to go see every phone that isn't an iPhone. It it just doesn't it doesn't have the same appeal to me. So in that regard, maybe he would make a better employee. He's more well rounded. I'm just saying, like from from the notes in future chat. Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure Mike would like to go to Mobile World Congress before seeing the sites in Barcelona. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not saying that I, I will. In the end, if I had been to mobile world congress and i had already seen the sites of barcelona i would rather go to a second mobile world congress but having not been to barcelona at all i would rather go to see the sites first and then go to see mobile world congress but yeah barcelona lovely this time of year i hear and you have two jobs you're the hardest working candy in town well i have i right now i'm working at less than one job and i will be at slightly more than one job when i'm doing part-time few hours a week mobile syrup that's still pretty cool that's yeah. also a reference to a halls commercial from a long yeah. time ago that <laughs> nobody seems to remember no i certainly don't remember it it was the long and short was 
they came out with these candies that tasted really good, but they were also cough remedies. Okay. And so it was like this, this guy with this heavy Jamaican accent that was saying, I got two jobs. I'm the hardest working candy in town. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. So anytime someone says I have two jobs, I'm the hardest working candy in town, just, you know, waiting, biding my time until the moment when somebody actually understands that reference. You'd have to say it in the voice, I think. Then I'd be much more likely to get it because as soon as you said it in the voice, I got it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. You would get maybe, even weirder looks from people who hadn't seen the commercial. Maybe, but. maybe that one's on me. I'll take that. How do you feel about our having followed up on your job information? I feel good. I'll have a lot more to say once I actually start working. But uh, the job title is is quite interesting. And it's probably the most professional sounding job title I've had. I will be a reporting and performance management officer. That's really exciting. Yeah. For the, for the sound of it alone. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to starting and looking forward to, you know, putting the best foot forward and hopefully turning this into something permanent. Right now it's a six month contract, but yeah. Fantastic, Rob. Absolutely. Yeah. Nick, do you want to talk about the biggest news in your life in the last week? Oh, let me tell you, Rob, <laughs> in terms of follow-up, the Leafs have revealed their new logo for their centennial year. It's true. And again, I'm saying centennial year because we don't count the Toronto team from the National Hockey Association because everyone packed up their toys and went home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Leafs have unveiled their new logo. Have you seen this new logo? I saw it. Yes. Yeah. And I I like it. Yeah. Um, Listeners should feel free to just honestly just Google the term Leafs new logo and there are tons of stories about it it is very easy to find information i'll put a link one link but there's tons of information if you just google it too okay but it's it is very close to my favorite well one of my favorite leafs logos of all time yeah i really like the first one they went with that they wore at the winter classic Mm -hmm. and my next favorite is the design that this is basically based upon okay i actually have a sweater and a sweater with a leaf of that design and i am tremendously fond of it the the old design not this current design like the old one that harkened that that this is shaped like yeah yeah the old one because i mean honestly the the current one is just it's always just been fine and i've always really liked the old ones better yeah i'm I mean, I get why they made the the one that they used for 1967 when Canada unveiled its new flag because, you know, yep. an homage and that's great. But I, I don't know. I've always looked at that one and thought it was just odd. I like what they did with the text in the 1967 logo. Mm-hmm. But the one that they used from 70s onward is just it's there's just not much going on. Right. Like and there were a couple redesigns ish where they made them slightly different colors, but I wouldn't really count that as a major redesign. No. And so, yeah, I've just, I've always been a fan of the really old one and I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. Although the one thing I'll say is they have some symbolism in there. Yeah. I think there's, there's 17 points in one section of the leaf, which is, you know, the 1917 when the team started. Yeah. And there th- it's a 31 point leaf which is supposed to be a reference to uh when they moved to the uh, maple leaf gardens 
Yes. And Con Smythe took over. Con Smythe of Con Smythe Trophy fame. Yeah. Who was, I think he's widely recognized as an architect of the league. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But my one problem is that one section of the leaf has 11 or wait, no, 13, 13. points. Mm-hmm. And that is specifically a reference to the number of Stanley Cups they've won. Right. And I mean, this may be a hopeless optimist talking, <laughs> but what happens when by <laughs> sheer mathematical fluke alone, the, the Leafs win another Stanley Cup? Yeah. Yeah. Although that, that said, I, that's exactly it. I think that would be just a really cool thing to do. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can do leaf veins, like anatomically speaking, leaf veins, you can do uh, fractally, like they're mm-hmm. fractal-ish at least. Yep. So as time drifts onwards towards infinity and the end of the National <laughs> Hockey League, um, I could see every time you win a cup, you just add a little, you know, flick to the logo. Yep. yep. And that could that could potentially be a really cool thing to do. If that's their plan, because otherwise it's just, yeah, well, when we made this leaf, we had this many cups, but and we don't really see a point in changing it because I could absolutely see that being something that the Leafs, well, the Leafs of old would do anyway. Yeah, it, that seems kind of silly, but yeah, they definitely could do that. I don't think they will. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It just strikes me as, but the, but the 13 points are lucky. Why would we change it? it and it would just wreck the yeah. symbolism. If you look... I mean, it's not, uh, the, the leaf itself and the veins on the leaf are not, I mean, I guess the leaf itself is, but it's not, uh, now I can't even remember the word. It's not, <laughs> it's not symmetrical is the word I'm looking for. So there's room already. There's a couple of glaring spots where a new, uh, vein would make sense to go. There's, I can see at least three or four. Yeah. Yeah. I so it's not, that. it's not without the possibility of adding, although I do like, I'm pretty sure this like nature tends to work in uh, mathematical ways and the three top like where the 13 Stanley Cup uh, veins are they're all uh, not only they're all prime numbers but they're all numbers on the Fibonacci sequence and nature tends to behave in ways that things come in prime numbers and come in Fibonacci numbers so that being said I think that is if that was intentional, which I'm sure it was not, unless there's like Simpsons writers on the Maple Leafs logo design team, <laughs> I don't think that is was considered. But I think it's interesting that they did keep that way. Mm. Um, and on that note, I'm reading the the link I'm going to put in here is from Toronto Star. Uh, I don't even know if I can call it the Toronto Star because they just call it the Star, which is very confusing. Well, but uh, it's uh, if you're in the GTA and you say the star, people know what you're talking about. Right. But people in the GTA are crazy because they think if you say the six that people are going to know what you're talking about. And I have no idea. Oh, that's well, <laughs> it depends on how much Drake you listen to. It's true. I know. But uh, the, this article about the Leafs logo from the star talks about how it's laden with symbolism and not reality. And apparently they talk to botanists. That's how serious Leafs fans are. And, and the botanist said this is not any variety of maple leaf that they're familiar with and is that, that is I, that how it, or is that a result of the leafs fans or the toronto star the the toronto star sports reporters specifically really reaching for a story i i think both i think they're a little disappointed at least that that's the way this reads it, like it doesn't appear to follow closely to any obvious tree biology 
And like they, they went out and this would take some serious research. You'd have to go like the, the guys going into a uh, guy who specializes in the study of maple trees, not even in Toronto, but at the University of Vermont, saying that it looks more like a sycamore maple leaf. Uh, uh, like they did a lot of work and a lot of reporting to, to find this information. And, um, they talked to the person who's in charge of, or who is in charge of, uh, marketing and communications with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. And they said they did not consult an arborist. <laughs> like enough of, they put enough research into this that, uh, they were able to fully get to the bottom of this stupid story and, and figure it all out. But it could just be reaching very easily. So I am actually looking at the Wikipedia article on maple leaf, Mm -hmm. and it is pretty close to a sycamore maple leaf. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a thing that happened. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, it's also named after it's in an interesting situation in which it's named after a regiment, the regiment being named after a symbol of Canada. Yeah. And so, you know, it doesn't have to look like an actual leaf really i i don't think so but yeah you know but you would be wrong according to many leafs fans i would think and that's okay yeah that's really okay yeah <laughs> because it's not like maple leafs fans have ever been wrong about anything no that that has never happened no 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 joe from burlington is not calling or was not calling for the kessel trade when he was at the height of his career <laughs> so that's good i think three people will get that reference but i'm not one of them any anybody that listens to steve dangle religiously will will get that one yes uh so i have one more small piece of follow-up here and it's not so much follow-up it's just we talked about or you mentioned you brought up the rick mercer report and encouraged me to watch the video on the energy east pipeline yeah so yeah interestingly was it it was his rant about the energy east pipeline right yes and so I watched that video, but interestingly, that video is not currently on his YouTube channel, but I found it through some other person. And I, it was certainly interesting. And I feel like when, when I Googled, when I searched Energy East, uh, Rick Mercer rant, there was also a guy, again, from the Toronto Stars YouTube channel, uh, talking about making points very similar to what I made, like, we shouldn't even be, this shouldn't be the discussion. The discussion should be about energy and, uh, it shouldn't be about Alberta versus Canada. It should be about Canada and the world. But, uh, that being said, I subscribed to the Rick Mercer, Rick Mercer report YouTube channel and I watched some of the videos and, and so I'm going to, I'll keep watching cause I've been saying for years that I wish I watched more of what he did. I've enjoyed watching him ever since back in 22 minutes days. And so, yeah, I, uh, I like I like his rants and I like all the the um, the other skits they do for the show. The other skits they do. Well, I mean, my favorite parts of the show are probably the rant, which is unsurprising because they actually have, you know, they've made books out of his rants. Yeah. Um, but there is rants and the like the skits he does, which are great. Yeah. The other stuff like it's interesting. Don't get me wrong. It's interesting. And I like watching it, but I could leave that behind like yeah. most of yeah. the interviews he does. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, they're when they're played for humor and the the person who's kind of going along for the ride is along for the ride, then it's fun, but yeah, it's not yeah. not like something you have to see. Yeah. I like it a whole lot more than 22 minutes anyway. The current 22 minutes or or when he was on it. Uh, we'll say current 22 minutes. Okay. I've 
he was always my favorite part of 22 minutes and then yeah one episode they had colin mockery on and i was just elated with that i really like <laughs> yes. colin mockery or maybe it was a few episodes details um yeah yeah but i i've never really been a huge fan of 22 minutes i liked air farce a lot more yeah i definitely liked i well, i like both and they were, were right after the other so i always watch them together yeah as as good canadian kids yes of course that's what you do. <laughs> that, that literally is what you do yeah of course yeah but yeah, uh, I'm, but yeah glad you're, I'm glad you're subscribed yep i'm now subscribed to something like 110 youtube channels and it's a little overwhelming at times but <laughs> i get well when it. you're a professional social social media person you have to or internet-y person yep. whatever it is that you do rob that's what we call ourselves professional internet-y people yeah <laughs> i'm an internet guy i do internet things it's true so yeah that that's it for follow-up this week uh there's a few things we want to talk about uh the one that's first here that we'll start with um i don't know if we actually talked about on the show how i got my how my bike was stolen last fall it was actually the day we noticed it like a day or two after i my con my last contract ended in october and oh man that is yeah. just a kick in the teeth. It like, really was. And I, hey, I've been riding my bike you don't have your job, day. and now you don't have your bike. So all the fun in the world that you were having, gone. Yeah. And because I, how could you ever have fun without a bicycle? I mean, it, ju- it just doesn't seem rational. Yeah, exactly. Do people have and, fun without bikes? I wouldn't know. But so I wanted to, to talk a bit about your experience buying a bike because I'm now faced with the fact that I, I got like insurance covered the bike, and so I have enough money to get a new bike now and but i want it to be something similar to this very special bike that i had that i had gotten used that my dad put a bunch of research into and so i'm i'm faced with either going finding a new like a brand new bike that's probably going to be slightly worse than the one i had or you know spending a couple good weeks or a couple months even researching so uh, what what should i put into getting a new bike in your opinion having having done that like financially or no like research wise and and what should i be looking for oh okay um honestly when i bought mine i was like i just perused the interwebs a mite and then went this is all just overwhelming i don't even know what i want looking at all the options here and i specifically found the trek website but all the websites i found had i mean sort of along the same lines of classifications and i just right you know looking at all of them and going i i don't even know but the trek website directed me to ideal bike in belleville and so i went and talked to that guy ed great guy Mm -hmm. um they've actually moved now and i don't know where their store is anymore but i don't think i could easily walk to it which is sad i mean it'd be many hours of walking well, right now, yes, but I couldn't get yes. there from my old home is, is what I mean. Thanks, Rob. Right. <laughs> um, but so I talked to him for a little bit and he gave me some ideas for what I wanted to look into. And then I took that information and went home and said, well, I mean, there's this that I want. And so like he had directed me towards the broad style of bike that I wanted. Mm hmm. And basically what happened is I went home and upsold myself and went with like the nicest bike in that class of bikes in the hybrid class. Right. So what I really wanted was 
a bike that could feasibly replace a car. Yeah. Because I knew that I was going to move somewhere and I probably wouldn't have money for a car. So I needed a nice bike that could, you know, reliably get around in all types of weather and all seasons. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. Cool. And so you end up getting, you said the fanciest hybrid Trek bike that they had basically. Yep. That's basically what I did. I, yeah, I I honestly want and th- like this is this is irrational because I I'm sure I know it's not the best bike in the world, but if I could get my exact bike again, I think that's the one I would get. Like that's the that's what I want is just the exact same thing I had but back. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean if that's what you want, you can go for that kind of style again. The yeah, only but, thing- but yeah, I'm not going to find the exact same thing. Well, no, but I'm yeah. sure they have something comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing, and this this actually, I don't think it would totally make sense given, well, one, the selection at the time. And I mean, my knowledge at the time was just different, but sure. the only thing I kind of wish that my bike had is drop handlebars because yeah. they are so handy when you're hitting a headwind. Right. And I basically just try and simulate having drop handlebars when... <laughs> When I'm in a big headwind and that I just kind of tuck down as much as possible and keep cycling, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really bad when you're, when you're going along the river here and just have a huge face of wind in front of you and you're in first gear, like the lowest gear you can have just kind of pedaling along going, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I, the the things that I, or the, the main thing I loved about my bike is that it was just so light my inertia on it was next to nothing oh yeah like and that's i have a heavier bike because i mean part of it part of that was me going and saying you know i don't ever think i would bike more than 50 kilometers in a sitting right like i just don't see that happening and that was Mm -hmm. the advice given to me said you know you could maybe do or you could probably do about 50k in this and then you're gonna want to you're not gonna want to ride anymore and lo and behold at about you know, the 40, 50 K mark in the saddle, my lower back just starts really killing me. So, okay. Hmm. But yeah, the more like for lack of a better word, performance bikes will be pretty light nowadays. Yeah. Um, what's your budget out of curiosity? <laughs> Somewhere around a thousand dollars. Okay. You can get a solid either entry level or step up from entry level bike for that much. Yeah. Like entry level usually runs you about seven, eight hundred. And then Mm -hmm. I think it tends to be, you know, entry level with a carbon fork and a a slightly nicer group set for about twelve hundred. Right. I yeah, I really think I part of me wants to get a very nice bike and, you know, keep it on the balcony, like have it tiniest possible chance of being stolen again, just because like people target the nicest bike. Yeah. But another part of me wants to go all out and go and get a like Ottawa police sticker or like five Ottawa police stickers and just like stick them on the bike because that makes it not the least or not sorry, not the most likely because a bike thief generally isn't going to take all the bikes. They're going to take the easiest one to steal. And if your bike has Ottawa police stickers on it, it's not the easiest. It could be. People don't want to run that risk or like Uh, custom design a sticker get it made that says like this is part of the ottawa police bike theft program like nobody's gonna steal that bike <laughs> that would be great yeah i don't know, keep a sticker in the seat tube or something like that too yeah, yeah yeah but yeah the other thing worth 
checking out. I don't know how many places do this, but uh, see if there's a rental shop in town that rents actual nice bikes, not just, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. But see if they have a sale where they, you know, get rid of their old stock. Huh. Because there's a place in Calgary that does that. And they're usually selling their their like twelve hundred dollar bikes for like six, seven hundred, mm. which is a solid deal given that they you know, they, they maintain them pretty well because yeah, yeah. you know, they bring it back, they do a maintenance run and then get it back or get it road ready again. Mm-hmm. Is that a but, thing? Like, I don't think that's a thing in Ottawa where you have actual nice bikes. Like, we have those ride sharing programs where you can like grab a bike off the rack, pay a little bit. Oh, like the Bixie system? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. There are a few different ones. Yeah. Um, it's I don't, best I can say is it's worth looking into because some bike shops might even do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, it's definitely worth looking into. But yeah, I would that would be my recommendation. Once I have steady employment, I really kind of want to do that here. The other you thing want I to just, step up as well. Uh, well, I mean, in the paradigm in which I have money, particularly NDT money, which is good. <laughs> um, what I really want to do is get, you know, a Trek Damani 4.0 because that is just a gorgeous machine. Right. It has the it has the decoupled seat tube. So it's meant to be a very good endurance bike and very stable. But like you're not going to spe- set any speed records, which... I don't think I was going to do anyway. Right. But it's meant to, you're able to just take it for the whole afternoon and remain comfortable. Yeah. Which is really realistically probably what I want it for. Mm, Makes sense. Yeah. I I, hope so. I really should. Like, I want to do it soonish because in my mind, the faster, like the further from spring, the further from like nice weather, the cheaper they're going to be, even though they might have quote-unquote sales in the spring there are spring and fall sales and i think even like convention type stuff or what do i want to say like you know home and garden shows like that but for bikes yeah i want to say they have stuff like that there and you can get you know bikes and equipment for very good prices i i always feel like when when a place is telling telling you they have a big sale going on that's not a good time to buy it (laughs) touche I, I don't know why. Maybe maybe that's crazy, but it seems like quiet season. That's when you're going to be able to walk into a bike shop. Like if it's the middle of winter and be like, hey, I'm looking to buy a bike. Uh, got anything that's affordable as opposed to walking into a very busy bike shop in the spring. And when they, while they have their big spring bike sale going on. I Fair don't know. Enough, yeah, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. If it's if something if nothing is striking me as a great deal, then I'll just wait. But yeah, that's the plan. Start start researching, start actually going and. And at least seeing what they feel like, what they look like now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nick. That was very helpful. I I hope so. <laughs> just just uh, tell me that you'll consider drops. Yeah, oh, I I I want them. I I've only heard very good things about them, and I would certainly be willing to like give them a a complete shot. Mm-hmm. As we talked about before, I really like the handlebars that I. Well, I don't really like them, but I really got used to them. The handlebars that come up at about forty five degrees. Uh, Bullhorns. Yeah, that. I forget if we came up with that word before, but that is a very accurate word. I don't actually know if that's just me or the proper verbiage, but yeah, or that's just exactly what it looks like. So it's perfect. Um, But I love those because it's kind of a similar idea to drop handlebars, except you can. Yeah. The ergonomics are very similar. Yeah. You don't have to hunch down nearly as much. 
and but you can still get your kind of ergonomic yet aerodynamic shape going on Mm -hmm. i found it useful for like powering through either powering through wind or trying to get going really fast on a straight but Mm. it's also very useful it's nice i don't know what what it is exactly but like when you're when you're holding bike handlebars and they're just you know your hand I, i i'm having a hard time describing this but when your hands are in front of you like just on regular flat straight handlebars your hands are parallel to one another but they're also they're perpendicular to the road just regular handlebars that it's a lot harder to kind of hold on and push against whereas when your hands are parallel with the road like they are in bullhorn or like they are in drop handlebars it's a lot easier to use your arm strength to power you forward too and i found that really helpful in like since i had this bike being able to use my entire body as opposed to just kind of pedaling hard with my legs Mm. i don't know i i think most people when they're biking don't realize that either don't realize you can do that or don't realize they are doing that but i always like i i pull on my uh handlebars i pull them towards me when i'm riding and use that oh yeah power myself you can do that well it depends on what exactly you're doing but it yeah it provides an opposing force for really pushing down on the pedals yeah and so i do that pretty much constantly if i'm if i'm trying to go hard or fast at all and that makes sense innuendo but (laughs) that's beyond the point yeah so i like the idea of having that and i'm going to describe it as your hands being parallel to the road because that's the best way uh or at least the the handlebars being parallel to the road and well there's uh, yeah there's also like there i think the actual words for that is proline supine and neutral grip Mm. because it would refer to pull-ups and such okay so right like neutral grip is what you would have in a drop handlebar or bullhorns mm-hmm. and i think it's pro line that is you know what the grip would be palms facing away from you mm-hmm. in just normal handlebars right the uh i've only heard i've heard those terms used but it's in relation to feet okay and i forget which wrote like it, it refers to the rotation of the foot when you're walking and i remember i used to supine with my right leg maybe i still do a little bit but yeah it refers to like the rotation of of the joint and so i guess it refers to any kind of joint oh, okay. whether it's arm or foot yeah makes sense yeah all right uh well i guess that's enough bike talk i um is there ever enough bike talk for for now next week we'll get right back to it uh why don't we instead of going to the thing here that's next on the list why don't we do your uh weird wacky roundup <laughs> weird Weird, wacky roundup. Is roundup you're, spelled you're, with a W there? Yes. It's silent, though. Okay. So, <laughs> City of Calgary is considering goats to manage parks and invasive species. That's really the sum total of the story there. Mm-hmm. And how, how hard are they considering this? Uh, this is also published in September of 2015. That's how, long, mm-hmm. that's how far back this story goes for me. Right. I don't know if it went anywhere. But I just I thought that was very Calgary. <laughs> Is it though? Maybe cows are goats a Calgary thing? I I don't know. Like just just I've noticed the city has a good general approach to things in which mm-hmm. like if it's legitimately a good idea, they will put it to use, and there's not as much hand wringing or you know people jumping up saying, "Well, this is a terrible idea. Why would you ever do that?" Right. Which I suppose it's more city council that 
will do progressive things because, you know, they've considered doing or since they started doing bike lanes and trying to expand public transit. Yeah. People have been widely critical or wildly critical of, you know, well, where's the where's the or where's the car users bill of rights or something like that? (laughs) And they're. And if you actually look at the spending that the city puts into car infrastructure, it's like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, not even close. If you look at the per capita or the per capita car usage and the per capita bike usage, the, the spending is not at all similar. Like it's right. I forget what, what they were saying, but I think someone might've joked that if you were spending on per capita bike infrastructure as much as you spent per capita on car infrastructure that we would have like bicycling skyways or something equally ridiculous. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Bike lanes on every road and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Obvious hyperbole there. Obviously, but, but it doesn't have there's to be. also, and there's also like the, the ring road that they're trying to do for Calgary. And yeah. I think they have three of four quadrants done and yeah. the billions upon billions that are being poured into that. And then they spend a few thousand dollars on bike lanes and they're just <laughs> completely up in arms. Yeah. I also yeah. like the, sorry, I like the quote from a friend of mine that, you know, you know, there are about a thousand to 2000 lanes of traffic in downtown Calgary and they removed four of them for the bike lane pilot. So yeah. if there's traffic problems, it's probably not due to the bike lanes. <laughs> Almost certainly not. Yeah. Yeah. I should look into how that's going. I don't know if they publicly do data like Ottawa did. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so did you have any in my weird and wacky roundup? Should I gab about gardening? Yeah, gab about gardening, by all means. I have have a new addition. It's a a Thai chili pepper plant has sprung Mm. up. Wait, it sprung up? It sounds like you weren't expecting this. I planted it, but it's finally... I planted a seed, which doesn't with peppers it doesn't always mean that you're going to get a plant out of it mm-hmm. but we have breached ground we're working on our fourth leaf here and uh, yeah wow we'd have more delicious peppers soon i also bought a new pot for my ghost pepper the buchalokia after okay. just an absolute debacle at the canadian tire at marlboro mall and <laughs> we're not talking about that one that was just okay i'm i'm going to try my very best to go elsewhere for my needs in the near future sure yeah but it was really root bound so hopefully there's room for growth there too now hmm. delicious peppers await rob now remind me how long does it take from you know seeing the first sprouts of a pepper plant to actually harvesting a pepper uh, uh well if last year was any judge then never but <laughs> i really don't think the peppers like the temperature cycle of calgary because it gets pretty cold at night sure this is this is actually one of those jurisdictions where on a summer night your mother will yell and tell you to bring a sweater and you actually should it's actually a good idea yeah whereas in i don't know in belleville during the really hot summer nights you know it if someone called called to you and said remember to bring a sweater when it was 35 during the day and 22 at night it's like no i'm, I'm pretty sure i'll be okay right huh. but yeah, I don't think they like the temperature cycle. For Buchalokia specifically, I think it's 120 days from the first sprout to fruit. 
but that's mm-hmm. in much more ideal growing conditions. Right. Now, if you wanted to get more serious about this, you could do things like getting a heat lamp or something, right? I, well, if I wanted, if I really wanted to grow them outside, I would probably, you know, invest in heating pads or something like that. Yeah. To try and keep the soil temperature high. Cause it's not so much the temperature of the air, it's the temperature of the soil. Okay. But that's also a lot to invest. So yeah. what I'm trying currently is uh, just I've got them in the south facing window rather th- I'm going to try and keep them in the south facing window inside rather than outside on the balcony. OK, it's a west facing facing balcony. But the I don't know what you call it. The little concrete structure is yeah. actually opaque. There's no glass okay. or anything. So it right. Like the, they don't get that much more light intensity. Like they get the full spectrum and that does make a difference sometimes with growth, but it's just, yeah, it doesn't seem to work particularly well. Mm. This balcony anyway, it also gets very windy. That seems to be very hard <laughs> on them because we're about 20 floors up, I think. Oh yeah. That'll get windy. Mm-hmm. Calgary is kind uh, of a windy place just yes. in general. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So we're, we're trying inside this year. That's what I'm going to do. Right. Cool. And we have good south light because nothing in, nothing really obstructs you in our location 20 floors up. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. I think so. Cool. <clears throat> Did you want to continue down this path or do you want to go back to... Uh, well, we could also talk about food prices because that was actually a serious issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although having bashed 22 minutes earlier, they did have a... <laughs> A really good tweet on the matter or something like that saying, you know, Canadians won't get too upset about food prices until the cost of a medium Tim's goes past $2. <laughs> that's that's unfortunately true. Is it unfortunate? I yeah, think it makes a, a lot bit. of sense. But yeah, the Canadian dollar, it's getting better recently, but it's kind of tanked a little bit. Yeah. What with the yes. price of oil being what it is. And man, people went nuts when cauliflower went to seven or eight dollars a head yeah for some people for some reason people really like their cauliflower yeah i re- I read a uh or no i listened to a story about that and apparently cauliflower is just very popular right now in the foodie world okay like there's there's one place that does a roast cauliflower like they roast it like chicken or something and then do a balsamic drizzle over top of it and so <laughs> it comes out i guess it comes out really nice and like the outside is caramelized and stuff okay um, and I know there are places around here that are doing cauliflower buffalo wing yeah, sort I've of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, honestly, when I heard that cauliflower was getting so expensive, my honest reaction was, who cares? Like, who actually wants to eat cauliflower? <laughs> it's true. It, it It's very bland. And that that's, I guess, why you flavor it with making it buffalo-y or making it roasted with balsamic. Like it, you add flavor to it and suddenly it's good. My honest rationale there was, you know, it's kind of like a uh, buried the lead or drop the lead there. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like cauliflower and tastes much better. Potatoes like and yeah. they're also cheap. They're Why not cheap. just eat potatoes if it costs a lot of money? Yeah, it's true. Also, well, with food prices being what they are, I've been looking at ways to eat cheaper just in general. Right. And that has led to me making a lot of braised red cabbage and stocking up on pierogies. Hmm. Pierogies just went on sale at Safeway too. So <laughs> that was pretty exciting. 
especially the Chimo brand stuff. Man, I got used to no-name pierogies and I was pretty happy with those. But Chimo, oh, like they, I grabbed the Ukrainian style roasted garlic pierogies and the bacon and Romano cheese pierogies. Oh, wow. Whew. They do, they do some good stuff with pierogies. <laughs> And like, you know, you can buy right now you can buy a kilo of them for two bucks. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Although it's funny because, you know, looking at ways of eating efficiently cost wise. Mm-hmm. Yep. It uh, I wound up finding a bunch of Eastern Europe stuff. But there's also like uh, one thing I really like making is black bean soup, which is a Central American thing. Right. Where food or prices for meat also tend to be much higher than average income would allow so it's interesting how you can get into a variety of international cuisines when you're like right food's really expensive it is expensive i should eat more pulses and potatoes and cabbage now you you wrote here food food prices slash coffee was that in relation to the tim hortons thing or is that related to that was specifically to jog my memory although coffee prices are going up and it seems the reason is the british the british as always developed a taste for coffee because they finally realized that coffee is clearly superior to tea and and yeah prices are going up i guess Mm. the last harvest wasn't great right the whole global warming thing uh well very difficult to attribute one particular (laughs) weather system to global warming (laughs) as we've discussed but yeah 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 ish sort of kind of the overall trend yes the coffee harvest will suffer as a result of global warming probably Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's my wacky roundup. <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, now, you have you have this uh, Nipigon Bridge in the notes. Do you want to talk about that first? I, I don't know that I have much to say, but I could certainly add to a discussion if you have something you wanted to I just thought about. it was interesting because it's like East meets West. The East doesn't yeah. meet the West edition. Because <laughs> for a good few days, the, you couldn't actually drive through Canada from one of us to the other. It's true. You'd, yeah. you'd get stuck in northern Ontario because like the South Park bit says, you have to follow the only road right. from east to west. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I and someone I think someone said, you know, why aren't there two roads going through there? It's like, do you know what's there? <laughs> it's uh, it's not a whole lot of anything, really. Right. Yeah, it I just, don't actually know what's there because I've I've only flown it. But I imagine it's a lot of mountains and trees and uh, not some mountains. many people. I don't know that they're quite as impressive not, as the Rocky Mountains, but not mountains, but like hilly. No, regions. no, they're they're actual mountains up there. I guess they're much smaller, but right. I think there are mountains in Superior National Park, mm. something like that. All the mountains in Eastern Canada are not really mountains. I would say maybe there might be a couple exceptions. Well, really... listen to the mountain snob we got over here. <laughs> You were in Banff. You've seen a mountain. <laughs> it's it's true. I have. They're very pretty. I can see yeah. them right now. I'm looking to my left. And there you go. They're there. Mm-hmm. The Rockies. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. It. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing, I don't know if it's just going to be, you know, I don't know if it's just going to be North America or if we're going to see all over the world, but I keep hearing about how all the bridges are in disrepair and in need of Oh, yeah, we're we're facing an infrastructure crisis. And that's one of the reasons I was really excited about uh, Trudeau's promise to inject a bunch of money into stimulus spending because, oh, my God, we need to fix our infrastructure and labor costs are about as low as they're going to get in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a great idea. 
Also, in a news story I found out about, uh, they are working on the reason for the failure at Surface Science Western, huh. which is, well, I, I spent some time at Surface Science. Yeah. It was interesting. Cool. My old supervisor basically runs the place. Right. Yeah. And so at some point you could do, you could be that guy in theory. No. In theory. I will not be that guy. You, you could be the guy before that guy that goes out to the things the crumbling infrastructure and checks it i would be the guy that says hey this is going to be a problem yeah or is already a problem right maybe, maybe. yeah i don't know how much ndt they do on bridges i would hope it's some yeah i would hope so <laughs> yeah incidentally have we talked about how i hate suspension bridges no you might have heard laughing from the other room because as nice as kaya is she's terrible of course <laughs> <laughs> I take it you heard that bit. I didn't hear. I heard that she said something, but I did not hear what it yeah. was. Yeah. No, I'm supposed to be nice to her. What's the mm-hmm. gist of that? Um, wait, what was I talking about? I need more coffee. Suspension bridges. Oh, yeah. They're just ugh. What basically about all the structural integrity comes from cables and big heavy things on either side or anchors, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, ugh. What makes that? I don't know. Just you're so bad. Completely suspended by cables. I would far rather be supported by the Earth through direct vectors, like up down vectors, normal vectors. I guess, yeah. Rather than literally suspended. I just literally normal vectors. I fully, yeah. That's why I said normal vectors. It was Um, was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Google the term (laughs) normal vector for an explanation there. (laughs) but like it's just it's one of those irrational things where i completely understand that they've engineered it so that it's okay but i still don't like it um and that's fine similar sort of thing is walking on glass i fully realize that there have been many calculations going into it making sure that i am safe walking on that glass but i still don't like doing it right i i assume you've been at the top of the cn tower no never Oh, wow. I uh, I did that once and experienced that. They have the glass floor area and it's like a foot thick or something, but I still... I've heard it sounds terrifying. I looked out over it, but I don't think I actually stepped on it. I it's... might have tried to kill someone who tried to push me onto it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where like monkey brain just kicks in and goes, yeah. but glass goes in windows. Windows <laughs> break easily. Yeah. I I might be misremembering a story that I heard a while ago. But I feel like at some point the CN Tower, like the glass cracked or something. Oh, they have uh, a pedestrian bridge in China, I think. And the, or China or Britain. Anyway, the, it actually cracked and is now just, it looks like it's in shambles, but it's still structurally sound. Is it though? So uh, they say. There's uh apparently it's, it was the Willis Tower. That, okay. uh, is that the one that's in? Yeah, Chicago. The one that used to be the... Oh my gosh, these even these pictures are <laughs> freaking terrifying. Uh yeah, it oh was God. the one that used to be the tallest building in North America, I think. Okay. The Sears Tower, but now it's the Willis Tower. Anyways, that I'll put some picture I'll put the article in there from the Daily Mail in the UK, but there's just a like a guy, it's the 103rd story, just like he's hanging out a building. It doesn't look fun. It looks terrifying. <laughs> oh man, I and then there, yeah, there's pictures of people still, like, they replaced the glass. There's p- pictures of people still out there. I just would not do that. Because mm. when glass can crack, yes, and then it can be fully intact, and it's fine, and 
and you continue about your day and you replace the glass. But glass can also fail catastrophically and you would just plummet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, feel, I get the same feeling every time I'm in a tall building, to be honest. I'm just like, this could fail catastrophically. But with glass, it's so much more likely. Damn civilization with its <sighs> super tall buildings. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I don't like it. Good. Solid. Somewhat solid. Not solid, solid, but with the possibility of catastrophic failure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Uh, I'm, I, I say let's wrap it up with one last thing. But this thing is something that could lead into a bit of a discussion. So I, I won't cool. say wrap it up. Let's soon. just make it an even three hour podcast. Perfect. I was told actually before we started that I had, I only had three hours and I had to be done by 2.30 here. And so, yeah, we can go three hours, but I cannot go a minute longer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We can do that. Yep. So we talked at the beginning of this episode about how I was not working and how I am, I will now be working, uh, come February 17th and I was lucky enough to be able to take advantage of the employment insurance program that Canada offers as it as it is wont to do, as I'm very thankful for it doing, uh, because it kind of the whole reason it's there as a kind of social safety net is to take the pressure off of people needing to find like needing to make money while they're not working at, a, you know, nine to five job. Yeah. And so when I first like immediately when I when my job ended, I signed up and it seemed like it wasn't that much money. Like it was kind of, you know, supplementary and they were it was very encouraging in that like there's actually a there's a pilot program that I was apparently participating in, although I don't know exactly how the, the logistics of it work, where you can actually even make like if you if you make some money, you can actually like they'll take that into consideration, but they won't cut you off from the program completely. So like mm. you can you can get some work um, and it just it makes it for so for the a year after I lost my job, I had the opportunity to to make a little bit every month enough mm-hmm. to like, you know, cover bills and and at least allow me to keep some of the savings that I had worked up like I yeah. saved quite a bit of money working for the government for the almost a year that I did. But I, you, you don't really want to spend a few months unemployed and just completely blow that. And so it was nice to have that basically as a safety net. And it just, it made me like, I, I thought when I was growing up, I was like, oh, you know, employment insurance, that's for really like people that just don't want to work, but they're like trying to find a job and struggling and they're just lazy and not working very hard. But it's a really, really helpful program. Yeah. And I've, I've used it a couple times now. I, there was a point about a year and a half ago where I was on it for something like three weeks. And it, it's just, it's a good program because it means that you don't have to, if you lose a, a good job that you had, you don't have to immediately settle for, you know, working at McDonald's to make ends meet. Because if you're working full-time at McDonald's to make ends meet, you can't go and look for a job that actually uses, for instance, your degree or any experience that you gained because those things, those processes take a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so having the ability to, to use employment, the employment insurance program as a bridge to connect the two contracts that I was on is just like it, it saved me. It saved, it saved me from having to find any work and let me find work that like actually, actually will enable me to go on living a normal somewhere probably slightly below middle class life because the middle class is no longer a thing but 
yeah yeah i if there's anyone who's against it i would i would cite my experience as like a massive reason in favor of keeping programs like that around yeah yeah well i mean i agree i know there are abuses but mm-hmm. i don't know i think all told you're gonna do more good than you will harm mm-hmm. or that's my honest assessment yep yeah and so thinking about that in employment insurance uh, and its relation to, you know, helping not only helping people make ends meet, but helping people find work that they find fulfilling led me to kind of think again about basic income, which is something that I've talked about a lot and was actually in the news in Canada very recently, uh, along with other countries putting up either putting up referendums like in Switzerland or or actually I think. I think Finland actually passed whatever proposal they had to to do basic income, and so they're going to actually try it. It came into the news in Canada again. I don't know if you if you heard anything about this, but I did not hear about this. But I glanced at the article you linked mm-hmm. to. Uh, yeah, so the Globe and Mail reported on this. Uh, now, now that we have a, with the Liberal government, we have a new minister. It's called the Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development, and this person has apparently done a bunch of research, put in actually published work about the possibility of of basic income and specifically trying to replace government programs with a, th- a payment or a process that's much more just like you qualify here's money and, yeah i uh, mean i would love to see something that's automatic like that because yeah. it removes the need for a lot of social programs that would be there otherwise mm-hmm. and i could see maybe people with special needs having a higher income or like still have services to supplement the guaranteed minimum income. Right. But I honestly, I still want to do a full episode on this with Matt and Mike potentially. Yeah. yeah Just definitely. because I think there could be, we were having like a fairly spirited discussion on the Slack about it. We were. And so I feel like it would be worth discussing. We just have to be able to get everyone to sit down at the same time, <laughs> yes. which is tricky because one of them's in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's something that I'm looking forward to doing. Yeah, this is it. It's more of an introduction. It's more just like, hey, the the government in Canada is actually talking like not not only just thinking about it, but actually talking about it. And this I, is a, like a minister. I'm so excited about that. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much potential for good to be done. And I feel like it's too much to hope. But <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a, it's a majority parliament. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. See so that'll yeah. be their that'll be the campaign issue going into 2019 market. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're talking. You know, as as people get a little bit older and start getting a little more financially stable, um, family talk comes up and having kids and starting you know a more adult life. Uh, I was having this this discussion with Julia a couple of days ago, talking about having to save up you know a college fund and all kinds of stuff for. Uh, a child when they turn 18 and I was just thinking in 18 or 19 years, how different could Canada be? Like if we had a situation similar to a lot of Scandinavian countries in France where you, you pay tax, but then college is essentially or university is essentially free. Uh, you could have programs like basic income, like who knows what could be different in that case. And I would love for my child to grow up in a world where, not things are just taken care of for you, but where 
the basic necessity to to allow you to live is, and allow you to learn and become educated is just taken care of for you where you have the ability to to better yourself and and it's just automatic yeah it i mean it would it would be great to just know that your kid would be okay mm-hmm. for their entire lives yeah like you don't yeah you just don't have to worry about them falling through the cracks and yeah. what a world it could be <laughs> yeah if you have to or if you haven't heard anything about basic income you should go research it there's recently as these projects and things pilots have been talked about and are starting to be implemented around the world there's a lot of news about it so there's a lot to to read and learn about uh it's very interesting because that what they're talking about right now as as, you know actual policies to put in place isn't necessarily you know here's 20 or thirty thousand dollars for every person every year it's more like uh bundling together social programs into one thing where like when you have a child you just get some x amount of money and there's no more you know the is do you know if the liberal government's still going to call it the economic action plan because that i hate that name so much for the budget um but they have the that child care um payment assistance whatever program yeah the uh oh what's that called yeah something child policy yeah i want to say it's like the child care supplement or something like that yeah it's something like that but um it would be a lot more bundling together like when you have a child you just get x amount of money and there's even uh even in this article from the globe mail which i recommend you go and read uh if you are more interested in this but even a conservative mp is saying that she'd like uh the finance committee to study this and i saw that like lisa rate was yeah. saying that we should look into it and i'm like oh my god like the conservatives are endorsing like a study of this ah yeah and the the cynical part of me hopes that it's not just something that the next news cycle they'll go oh you know the liberal government's not even looking at this we're really interested in looking at it and just using it as a as like a political pawn against them but yeah imagine you could get all the parties to agree on it and then it's yeah. just guaranteed to happen that would be great (laughs) yeah it really would be um yeah so they're trying to i think things are moving slowly in that direction and it obviously giving every person money with no strings no nothing isn't gonna solve every problem and that's what this article ends with but I don't think the goal is of anything should be to make the world perfect. I was going to say, no, to it's not going to solve every betterment. single problem with that problem that's <laughs> out there, but it solves a fair few and it would make the world a better place in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And so, yeah, the goal isn't perfection. The goal is better. And this is much better than, than having people, people who are in your neighborhood, in your community, in your province, in your city, in your country who are suffering and who could be, whose lives could be improved through this program i don't yeah well it's like i mean in alberta like oil prices have just tanked and there are a lot of people like the suicide rate has spiked Mm -hmm. and if you could just make sure that those people would be okay yeah like that's it would go a long way towards everything yeah and that that really is what it is because if if people felt like the the at least for me like obviously depression is is a very serious and totally separate issue but if you have someone who feels like losing their job or losing money in the oil industry is a reason to 
give up on life, like there's no reason to even continue living. That's something that's so easily avoidable because your job shouldn't be what you put your entire life stock into. It should be a thing that helps you feel productive and helps you contribute to society, but it shouldn't be something that if you lose it, that life isn't worth living. Mm. That just, uh, that seems crazy to me. Like that seems the, the system, the fact that that is a system that exists currently is the, is the part that's crazy to me. Like you, nobody should have to feel that way. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. So I'm going to keep looking at this. We have, maybe I'll go, uh, go up to parliament and lobby them to, to look even further into it. Give them some resources to look at. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll pull some strings and, Get the Alberta Liberals to elect a leader that is big on basic income. Mm, yes, please. Or maybe I'll just run myself. That could work too. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, it would be so fun to be a politician running on the the policy of just basic income. <laughs> yeah, be that be that one policy guy. I mean, you're, it's, it wouldn't be hard to get a lot of voters on board with that. If you if you had a bunch of citizens who, you know, are like they're totally disenfranchised by the system or they've been kind of chewed up and spat out by the system to get people like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't really vote cause I don't really feel like government can help me. And then there's a candidate comes along who's just like, let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> would, would help with voter engagement. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to assume. Yeah. So is that it for this week? I think that's it for this week. All right. I, I feel like that was a good discussion though. Solid. Where can they find us, Rob? They can find us at unwindmedia.com slash EMW for East Meets West. And uh, on Twitter, we're underscore EMWFM. And yeah, go listen to the show. If you uh, if you like the show and it's the first time you've listened, go ahead and subscribe. We're on iTunes and uh, or just RSS if you, if you don't have an iPhone, which is fine because not everyone does. And not everyone likes iPhones. And this, uh, this got out of hand. I, I went too far down a rabbit hole. I'm stuck in this cadence and uh, please help that's, me, Nick. That's cool, Rob. Like <laughs> what, what is this show if not a place in which we go down rabbit holes? <laughs>